Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. It's, uh, it's Roxanne Derhodge from Authentic Living with Roxanne. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Uh, today I have a special colleague, Cody Shi. Is it Shi Wen or is it Shi Han? Neither. Shi Wen. Shi Wen. Oh my goodness. And you know, uh, 50 slaps for me because I should know this uh, well enough <laughs> now as much time as I do with you. Cody and I, uh, Cody is now the um, upcoming president for the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers. And I've sat on this board with him for quite a while without uh, pronouncing his name well. So um, forgive me for that, Cody. So Cody, Cody has uh, been so gracious and given us some time today. And he um, has been doing um, professional speaking for a long time, but he has a special message around legacy. So I'll tell you a little bit about him and we'll jump right in. Uh, so he's a professional uh, speaker and trainer consultant. And in 2020, he became the best-selling author of the critically acclaimed book, Everyday Legacy, Lessons for Living with Purpose Right Now. So not waiting, but doing it right now. His passion for empowering others to see the best in themselves and to re redefine their legacy from something they leave, they leave to something they live every day is a driving force behind his work. He's also passionate about giving back. And like I said, this in 2021, he's the president of the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers in our Toronto chapter. So Cody, thanks again for coming on. So we're gonna talk, like your, your background is pretty fascinating and um, probably not oftentimes something people might want to bring up, um, you know, unless you get into a situation where you might have had to use your services. So for 20 years, he acted as a funeral director and um, what a beginning to talking about legacy today. So tell us a little bit about being surrounded by death. Like what, what kind of things were you exposed to and, you know, what did it teach you for those 20 years? Yeah, well, it's, it's, a, it's a great place to start and it's, it, you're right. It does often turn people's heads. It inspires some interesting reactions and, and people are often curious about what a career spent surrounded by death taught me. And many people would think that a career spent in that space would, would have taught me a lot about death. And in fact, it taught me a lot about life. It taught me a lot about the power of showing up and having presence in the people's lives around us and really understanding the impact that we're making while we're still here. You know, one of the stories that I tell in the book, and it's a powerful story, is that, you know, I was conducting a funeral one day for a gentleman, we'll just say he was grandfatherly-like, uh, probably in his 70s or 80s. And the stories that folks were telling about him were so moving. You know, the room was filled with tears from laughter at some points and obviously uh, tears of sadness, but it was a real gamut of emotions, this service. And of course, I had done thousands of services before that, but there was just something about this, this guy that resonated, this man. And, and I thought, you know, the world would be better for, for knowing this guy. And I wonder if he acted the way he did on purpose. I wonder if he showed up that way because he was conscious of the impact he was making. Mm -hmm. Or if he didn't, what a shame. You know, what a shame if he didn't understand the depth and breadth of his impact. 
And so it was in that moment that I really had this epiphany that everything I had ever thought about legacy up until that point was something that I had equated to what comes after, once we're gone, once we're dead. Mm -hmm. And if we just shifted that narrative from leaving to living a legacy, and we started to understand the difference we can make, whether it's in, you know, in the people in our homes, whether it's the people in our community, whether it's a larger impact we want to make, perhaps it's even the world, that when we understand the difference that we make, we really then can double down and compound that effect and have a ripple effect of our legacies while we're still here and really understand the magnitude of difference we can make. Absolutely. And I, I would think, you know, with my background, you know, I, I did a, a fair amount of work in trauma and my, one of my very first positions right out of school was I was a first responder with the Metro Toronto Police. Mm. And uh, what I would often do, and I was 22 at that time, Cody, so, you know, really, you know, really not knowing what I was stepping into. Right. My very first call was um, attending a murder-suicide in Toronto. And I was struck by the impact of what that did to someone. So you're talking about the reverse or the polar opposite of that really is, which is living versus leaving, which I like that because that really gives us something to kind of think about, right? Like how, how will I repeat? What stories will the people tell, um, you know, the night of my wake or when they're coming in um, versus obviously they'll miss you profusely. They, uh, people that love you, but what kind of stories will they tell about you? So let's talk about. So you you got prompted by this man, and I'm going to I'm going to assume that his stories were probably quite moving. Powerful. Yeah. What what prompted you to actually write the book about legacy? Was it the stories? Was there other things in your life that really kind of made you think oh, this is something that I really kind of have to put pen to paper on? Yeah, well, the interesting thing was that experience was, you know, almost 15 years ago uh, that I had this sort of lightning bolt moment around this idea of legacy. And it just is something that started to permeate everything that I thought about the work that I was doing. And, you know, funeral directors are some of the kindest heart-centered, heart-driven and heart-led individuals that I know. In the book, I talk about, you know, in many ways we can equate them to the firefighter running into the burning building to extinguish the fire. Funeral directors really lead with their heart and step up and embrace people at one of life's most difficult times and really partner with them through the ensuing days. Uh, and in many cases, uh, months of care afterwards. And so I started to really reframe this idea of legacy and how it was showing up in the work that I did, but it didn't lead me to write a book right away. In fact, uh, you know, I think what it did was put a microscope on the work that I was doing to notice things like echoes of regret, which I talk about in the book. Um, you know, this idea that uh, we need to be selfful to fill our own cup in order to be of service to others. So in fact, I think Roxanne, what it was doing was, was at least highlighting for me the areas that I could focus on, that I could create a greater impact that, uh, with, that I could ultimately live my everyday legacy through the work I was doing. Um, and then I tried to write a business book. You know, I, I do a lot of keynote speaking I and I talk a lot about organizational development, leadership, change management, uh, and really the, the culture of organizations and how, that, how to have that as the, the single driving force in your organization before anything else. And I tried to write that book three or four times and it failed miserably. I just was not getting past the first maybe chapter each time. I wasn't in love with what I was writing. Mm -hmm. And 
what's interesting is my, my logical left brain kicked in and said, well, dummy, you've never written a book before. So of course you don't know how to write a book. That's the obstacle. So I hired a book coach, you know, much like yourself, myself, a lot of our colleagues, when, you know, when you're in a spot and you don't know what to do, you hire an expert, you, you right. tap into expertise. And so I hired this book coach and lo and behold, the obstacles were just the same. I ran into the very same obstacles. And at one point, this gracious, beautiful human said to me, stop, 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 stop. Just tell me one thing you believe with all conviction to be true, all your conviction to be true. Mm -hmm. What's one thing? And I said, I really think we have the definition of legacy all wrong. I think that we go through life hoping that we are uh, in many, in many cases, subconsciously uh, living in a way that will be remembered purposefully and perhaps fondly when we're gone. But if we just started focusing on it now, we could be in control of that narrative. We could understand and perhaps it could propel us more to show up with whatever our everyday legacy is, kindness, impact, influence, um, you know, humility, graciousness, whatever those, whatever those characteristics are that bake the cake, if you will, of, of legacy for each individual, that really, that it could change how we live in the world. It could change how we live with purpose and that we could do so on purpose. And about four hours later, we hung up the phone. And before we did, she wow. said, I think there's the book you, you want to write. And what's really interesting to that is, as you know, I spent, you know, 20 years in the corporate space and before I launched my own um, entrepreneurial venture in consulting. And when I left, you know, one of the, one of the things that I saw so happen so frequently in the, in the corporate environment was these incredible ideas by these incredibly bright individuals sort of live, be born, if you will, and live on the boardroom table and then die when, the, when, when that product or service or initiative hit the front line. And it was because so often we sitting around the board table thought we had this great idea, but it just never executed fully at the front line because the people weren't passionate about the idea. They didn't share the same vision or values necessarily. And there was just a giant often disconnect between the leadership of the organization and the front line. And so when I started my consultancy, I, I left and said, the principal tenant of my consulting work will be people first always. And when we use that as a catalyst in our organizations to understand the front lines of our business, who these people are, what their skills are, what the pain points are between them, you know, doing, doing the work and doing the work purposefully and passionately, we really start to then rethink how we are working in the workplace with our teams, how we're engaging, um, how, how engaging we are as a leadership, as leadership team members. And so it's not really, even though I've connected the dots later, in the moment, I never connected the dots that here I had this very individual-centric business philosophy around focusing on people, the individuals in the organization, first and foremost. And then I wrote a book that's very personally driven, non-prescriptive, um, but still has the underlying business tone and business context where people can apply it uh, in their work as well. So it's funny how all these things line up, the puzzle pieces. As I like to say, these are, you know, a series of shoulder taps that all lead us in the right direction. Sometimes they're not obvious at first, but boy, oh boy, when they make themselves clear, do they ever make themselves clear? Well, you know, I, you know, I talk about authenticity and leadership and obviously, you know, when they are big goals, each person on the front line needs to be, there has to be some kind of connection between what is the big vision and how am I going to get there? And I talk about leaders being connected to themselves in order that they might be able to, you know, move things along. So if everybody has that vision, but they're coming from that authentic space, they're able to get there sooner. 
Now, in the time that we're in, this economic uncertainty, this, if we think about legacy, you know, Cody, you know, I'm sure, I know I've thought about, you know, if, if something were to happen, unfortunately, and most of us have thought about this because of the time we're in, uh, what kind of things have you found that people are talking about now that you've launched this book and, and in this time around legacy? I think, I think in particular, it's around this idea that I introduce into the book called The Pause. And that is really time that we have to carve out for ourselves. You know, it's the one thing I think in this COVID reality that we're living in, that is a globally shared experience is that most of us in, in many cases, save and accept our very frontline workers, which include funeral uh, professionals yeah, as well. Um, you know, that, that most of us have been sequestered away at home sometimes not really sure what to do with our times or how our business is going to adapt. Uh, sometimes we're wearing multiple hats. We're, you know, uh, we're the CEO of our businesses. We're also the uh, principal educator in our homes. We're also the chief disinfector many times. <laughs> whatever the case may be, whatever hats we wear, we have all found, I think, some clarity around what's important. And when I say what's important, it's less what and more who. You know, and I think that that is applies both personally and professionally that, you know, a real microscope has gone over workplaces and how we communicate, how we connect. Um, and especially when COVID, I, I think, has introduced a humanity like we've never seen before, mm -hmm. that if we just spend some time thinking about that, we can capitalize on unifying and coming together. Not only globally, I think there's a lot of global crises in the world right now that, you know, goodness could use all of our collective positive efforts. But even in our workplaces, even in our homes, that the shared humanity to really see people how they need to be seen uh, and to give them the capacity to show up how they can show up with the resources they have, I think has really shone a very positive light on working, even if that work is still remote right now for most of us. I think that that pause is, is critical. The time to carve out to do these things, to just spend some time being conscious. Um, has really opened people's eyes and awareness. And I think it, it puts them into that, into that mindset of the ability to be adaptable and flexible versus this stagnant mindset that, you know, even present company, I got caught up in the very beginning, you know, like, how am I going to pivot? How am I going to change? And it all just felt like a mountain at times that I was not equipped to, to climb. But steadily focusing on it, steadily, steadily carving out time for, for me to fill my own cup, enabled me to show up powerfully, not only in my own work, but for my team and in their work as well. So let's talk a little bit about um, echoes of regrets and, you know, how we should live a life with fewer should haves. Because I, I, you know, I often think, you know, in, in uh, when you think of people that are in my dad's gonna, my dad's 84 and um, you know, it, interesting the stories that my father tells me now um, about his, when he was a little boy. And I, I often thought my father was, you know, a CEO throughout my life and I would get snippets, mm -hmm. not even the real stories. And now he's telling me all these really vulnerable, deep mm -hmm. connected conversations about his humble beginnings. And I said to him, I said, daddy, how come, how come you never shared this before? He goes, it just wasn't the right time. So I'm, I'm interested with, with your, you know, I resonate when I hear that term, um, you know, the echoes of regrets. And tell me a little bit more about that, because I'm sure everyone listening would want to know more about that concept. 
Sure, sure. So, so often I sat around the arrangement table and I would be discussing, you know, funeral arrangements with, with individuals who had lost someone. And more frequently than I can count, Roxanne, I, I heard things like, I wish I had done this, or I wish we had, uh, had said this. I wish we might have, I wish we could have. Uh, they included things like, I wish I'd said I love you one more time, or I wish I hadn't gone to bed angry. I wish we had gone on, you know, that trip that we kept putting off. Um, you know, I wish I'd shared how I really felt. Um, you know, all these should haves or could haves. And there was always this tiny little voice inside my head that said, why didn't you? Or why did you in many cases? You know, it was, uh, you know, it was more eye-opening for me that many of the things that people often regretted, those echoes of regret, that ultimately they were things that were surmountable, that with one tiny shift, perhaps in the time that it would take to snap your fingers, that you could have done those things. It was just the difference between uh, not doing them and doing them. Now, that's not to simplify it because we all know that, you know, if a, if a relationship has been fractured for years or decades or longer, it's not as simple as just saying, I love you, um, perhaps for the first time in a long time. But the decision to consider it, the decision to look through a different lens, that happens in the snap of a finger. And right. so it's just about getting to that point that we can limit the echoes of regret because the challenge in the examples that I had was the person was gone and there was no way to remediate that right. uh, unless right. it was on your own. And so it means showing up as powerfully as you can in the lives of those around you every single day. And and really sharing with them what they mean to you and also listening for uh, cues and looking for hints at how you show up powerfully in the lives of others. What difference do we make individually, whether it's individually or as leaders? Are you a part of people's stories? And if so, how? And if it's a, of positive benefit in the world, how can you manifest more of that? How can you replicate that behavior so that it's not one team member, if it's professionally that you show up in uh, power, you show up with powerfully, but your entire team and perhaps the entire organization and perhaps even into your, into your, into your uh, customers, your external audience as well. You know, it's, it's powerful when we start to think about these things and, you know, it's through the lens of death, which no one wants to talk about. Absolutely. But as I said, as I submit in the book, you don't have to spend a long time there. You know, these lessons are so powerful and so poignant that usually, again, in the same snap of a finger, you can reframe them positively and view them as a, a life affirming and life guiding idea, as opposed, as opposed to a sort of death heavy macabre lens through which to look at these things or consider them. No, I often, uh, you're going to laugh at me, but I was born in Trinidad and Tobago. And um, so I grew up there and I, you know, we would joke around. So for uh, wakes in Trinidad, um, what they do is, which is kind of interesting, is they tell stories. It's probably based on on the British legacy, you know, um, of the island. But in Trinidad, what's kind of nice, and I, I often say that I want a steel pan, <laughs> I want calypso music, and I also want people to tell the stories about me uh, that are the funny ones. So well, of course people are going to cry and, you know, because I, that's why we just, you know, express love. But I said, what about those silly things that you know about me that, you know, you remember when Roxanne did blank, you know, that would put such a spin on things because like, to your point, when we really think of our legacy, it's kind of what would people say about us right now? Let's say 
when we when we were to enter or leave a room, those are the things that really, and if you think, oh, I don't want to remember with this quality, I might want more of this, um, you know, so I think that would be such a powerful thing to, to have those discussions now. And even from a leadership perspective, tell me your point, point of view on this. I think if leaders got more comfortable with speaking about their legacy and how it translates out, not just in, not not sharing super a lot about their personal lives, that might help them translate um, and kind of from their you know top down mentality, be able to translate or relate all the way for, to the front line and even to the front facing, facing customer. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think when it comes to leadership, you does know, that make setting, sense, Cody? yeah, it does a hundred percent. When you think about setting that stage um, with a bit of vulnerability, you know, mm-hmm. people identify with vulnerability. They identify with um, these stories and it's in these stories that you embed yourself in the minds and in the hearts of the people that work with you. And because ultimately, Roxanne, people identify with stories more than anything else. Um, and, you know, so, so really, I think you're exactly right. I think leaning into that as a leader and, and making a decision every single day to make sure you're connecting in a meaningful way with your team members. It doesn't need to be individually. And if you have 800 employees, you know, that's a logistical challenge. But is there something you can do every single day? to impart that, uh, you know, ultimately your legacy of leadership uh, to the people that you serve in, uh, in your organization. I think, that, I think that makes a lot of sense because if you're doing that on a daily basis, um, this whole concept of use as being self-full. So tell me more about that because I'm thinking if as a leader, if I'm self-full, if I'm understanding that concept, um, I'm going to understand where I'm at and if I'm kind of depleted or if there's certain things that I need to do. So tell me more about the concept of self-full. Well, so many of us are raised when we spend time thinking about ourselves or on ourselves, then in fact, we are being selfish. And so many of, our, many, of, many of us are raised with the humility to focus on others first. You know, we're taught that saying, you know, to give is better than to receive. The challenge is when you, when you don't spend time replenishing your own reserves, you're operating from a place uh, of low energy. And when you think about that, you want to do things that enable you to show up as powerfully as you can. Now, it might be nice to think about getting away for a week to a sunny spot with a beverage or two to your right-hand side on, you know, with your feet facing the water. You know, that's maybe in an ideal world, but we have to figure out ways that can take the same value that we get from maybe a week away into our every single day. And it might be as simple as something for 10 minutes, meditation, yoga. It could be getting a workout in. It could be a a walk. It could be a conversation with a friend. It could be reading. It can be Mm -hmm. whatever you need it to be, whatever's powerful for you that allows you to escape our, the daily busy of our minds into a space that allows you to fill your own cup first. And then in order to be of service to others, we're operating from this place of uh, infinite reserve where we are ultimately focused on, on the greater good of the organization through service of self and to self um, as a principal tenant as well. So looking at it from a um, really a, an abundance lens, right? Because I'm going to be 
doing little things, you know, not the concept as soon as I hit the tarmac, I'm, I'm back to reality, but recognizing that I can do all those things. And most of all of us in the last eight months have really, we, we haven't been able to travel. Most of us uh, would be on planes and trains and doing also fun things, but even in our travel for business, most of us have been sitting. And I think that's really, I think it's challenged a lot of people to say, what can I do? What little things can I do? And I've even explored so much more in my little neighborhood of places that I've, I've been here for like 25 years. And the little things that I've even noticed now, it's, it's pretty amazing because I've been, I've been home more, right? So I've been able to do little things just to have fun. Whereas before I'd be in my car or taking off for the weekend, those types of things. So well, here's, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I, I want to give a suggestion here. And, and that is that, you know, when we think about the little things that we can do to make an impact, it not only for ourselves, but sometimes it's in the seemingly inconsequential things. So here's an exercise that we can either do as individuals with those we love and our family, or even as leaders with our team. It's a simple little uh, technique, but pull out your cell phone or perhaps your email distribution list. And, and if you're a leader and share an email to each person, that is just a line or two. You know, you're, you make a difference because dot, 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 and then fill in how that person makes a difference, whether it's to you as a leader, to someone in the organization, perhaps to your customers, whatever the case may be, it doesn't take a long time, but the impact that that one little thing can make will be, you know, it won't be inconsequential. The act might seem inconsequential, but its power can be, uh, you know, it, it can oftentimes not even be measured. It can be so impactful to the individual receiving it that it can totally shift their day. Uh, and with loved ones, we can send them a quick note and say, uh, and I love doing this, I have something I have to tell you, dot, 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 and hit send. And then inevitably you get flooded with uh, usually a response very quickly saying what's up or what's wrong. Um, but you can nip that pretty quickly when you say, you know, I, when I think about you and the legacy you're living, this is what I think about. You know, and yeah, you'll share, you know, it made such a difference to me when you did this or that time in your example that you made me laugh so hard, I almost peed myself, you know, whatever the case may be. And you can see right now, I already know that just in sharing that story, you're thinking about one yeah. of those times when you've laughed hard enough that that could have happened. And you're starting to remember the story. And the story is the piece that's the powerful part. It's triggering those memories. It's why when I wrote the book, one of the things that I refused to do was write it prescriptively. I did not write the book as a, this is how you live your legacy. It's told through story. And so oh, that nice. the reader can identify with those stories or perhaps the circumstances, perhaps the individuals um, in those environments, in those stories. And then that will propel them to see the lesson in their own world, in their own reality. And so, uh, you know, it's powerful to do these things and it doesn't take a long time. If leaders had 10 direct reports and, you know, they, they did this and it took two minutes each, it's 20 minutes out of your day. And I think most leaders would agree that while we are more pressed for time than ever, 20 minutes is not a lot of time to carve out when they start to realize the impact that 20 minutes can make. You know, if you look at the, if you look at 20 minutes being wasted, um, it's hard to, yeah. hard to qualify or quantify the impact because it was wasted. But when you spend time doing these sort of exercises that are simple, seemingly inconsequential, the, the magnitude can be uh, formidable. And when it's least expected to as well, right? Like, you know, just to be able to really say to someone, you know what, Cody, when you did this with me at the board meeting, this is what I remembered. I, I chuckled because I thought about it and it was, it really meant a lot to me, but it's, it's when 
I find that with feedback like this, which is what you're talking about, it's, it's when you're not expecting it and someone says something that you may have said or done that it really, it lights up your heart that much more because you're thinking, wow, I was not, it was not prescriptive. It's not performance evaluation time. It's not bonus time, those types of things, not the traditional things, but just out of nowhere, someone set, thinks something really nice of you and then they share it with you. And I think when you're talking about just little things that you can start doing, that would be something that senior leadership or just managers in general could do that would, would uh, not take a lot of their time. So where can people find out more about uh, everyday legacy? What, where is it? Uh, you know, I know you've, I've, I've seen uh, on social that you've been out and you've been, um, you know, you're in California promoting the book. Where, what's, what, where can they reach it? You, um, with, uh, whether it's speaking or um, consulting or just to anything related to the book. Everydaylegacy.com is the best place, at least from a website perspective, to learn more about the book. CodyShewan.com, Cody with an I, C-O-D-I-S-H-E-W-A-N.com is where you can find anything to do with my speaking. And I'm all over social media at Cody again with an I, Shewan. You can find me everywhere, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, and and I, I love connecting with people who uh, maybe have listened today and it's resonated or who have read the book because it's, it's, this conversation is important, but it's the conversation that comes after and the conversations that ensue as a result of these kinds of uh, considerations, these kind of uh, perspective shifts or lens changes that uh, I think is the most powerful. So to anyone listening that wants to connect, please do. I'm happy. I'm happy to. Awesome. Well, you know, I often say that I always pick something, um, pick a topic or a point. And what I often say is that with, unfortunately, with the, my background, with the mental health, being a mental health and wellness specialist, what happens is crises create shifts. But what you're saying is let's not wait for the crises to create the legacy. Let's do it now. Do it often. It does not have to take a lot of time. And look at the impact that you'd be creating with the people around you now. So again, Cody, thanks for your time. For anyone wanting to learn more about authentic relationships, uh, you can go to roxanderhodge.com and there's a quick quiz that you can take so you can learn a little bit more about what it takes to be authentically connected in your relationships. Okay, take care, everyone, and take care, Cody. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxannederhage.com slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.